in this week's In Ear Insights, search is changing. More people are using tools like Bing, Google Gemini, or Perplexity to do searches to ask language models, hey, what's the best place to get a burger around here? Or how do I do this thing? And increasingly, these generative AI models powered by search databases are doing a better and better job. This is changing the way people search. This is changing the, the SEO world in general. And one of the questions that came up at a recent event I was at was, well, what do we do about this? Folks like Rand, Rand Fishkin and Andy Crestadina and Alita Solis are all talking about how users prefer generative AI searches over regular searches in many cases because there's less garbage, right? There's less clicking through to 48 websites. You just get an answer and maybe a few links to click and it's a better user experience. Plus it can synthesize things that you might have to go to five or six search results to get. And so the question to you, Katie, is how do we think about the way search is evolving into generative AI being the way people search? And what should marketers and company owners be doing to plan for a future where there's even more intermediaries between you and the customer. All right. So that was a lot of questions in one. So let me <laughs> take a step back for a second. I'm not using generative AI to search. And so when, as you're saying, like everybody's using it can, and it, this isn't to be like a sarcastic thing, but like, where's the data on that? Who's everybody? Like, is it, you know, is it you and other, you know, AI specialists who that's your world? So you're feeling like everybody's doing it? Or is there data that supports that says consumers are turning to ChatGPT and Google Gemini and Microsoft Bing to do their searches versus traditional search engines? Like what what does that look like? Because I first just want to understand who everybody is. Everybody in this case, so this is data from A16Z, the Anderson, Anderson Horowitz consulting firm slash incubator slash whatever the heck they are. In the generative AI products, sort of the top three for people just in, uh, well, top five for people usage out of 100 million people surveyed, a million people users, uh, ChatGPT, of course, number one, Character AI, which is a, a, a chat bot system for character interaction, Google's Bard, which is now called Gemini, Poe and Quillbot are the sort of the top five. In the top 10 is also Perplexity. Perplexity is an AI-based search engine. Now, do we know that these behaviors are purely search-based? They're not. We know these are these have multiple uses. But in a number of recent articles and pieces on Search Engine Land and Search Engine Journal, we are seeing more and more people looking at, in particular, Google search generative experiments, where Google is putting generative AI front and center in search results. So I will say that as someone who knows survey design very well, the flaw with the data that you just quoted to me was that 100 million people were asked about the generative AI search tool that they use, not are they using generative AI for search. So I just I I just want to make that disclaimer. So okay, I just I'm trying to understand the landscape, but now we can go ahead and move on to the questions you were asking of what marketers need to think about. So I'm not I'm not trying to push back to say, no, this isn't a thing. What I'm trying to do for the people who are listening, for the marketers that are listening, is help them get a sense of urgency of how quickly they need to be thinking about 
updating their organic search strategy in order to fall in line with what's going on with generative AI versus traditional organic search. So that's where my questions are coming from is what is the sense of urgency? And I've also been putting together speaking decks and looking at the data. And a lot of the data right now is around what we ourselves, what marketers in the industry are doing, not what general consumers. So when I think about people like my husband or my, the rest of my family who aren't in the industry at all, they're not using generative AI. They're still going to a regular Google search engine. Now, Google search, to your point, has the experiments built in, but not everybody's using them, nor, nor do they know they are using them. And so I feel like marketers need to be paying attention to a broader audience. I think there's a lot of assumptions right now about how and who are using generative AI. So there's this panic of everybody's using generative AI. We have to switch everything immediately. That leads to really quick and poor and short-term decisions. What we want to be able to do is take a step back, take a breath, and say, all right, what is it that we're actually dealing with? What are the changes? And I feel like it's a really good opportunity to bring up the five P's, which are purpose, people, process, platform, performance. And so what you would do in this instance is walk your thoughts about generative AI for search through the five P's. What is the purpose of using generative AI for search? Who are the people? What is the process? What are the platforms? You know, whatever your platforms are. And then how do you measure performance? And so thinking about your organic search strategy in a more thoughtful way versus oh crap, everybody's using generative AI for search. What do we do? Like that's just, I'm going to encourage people to stop. So that's sort of my first piece is everyone needs to slow their roll. Yes, generative AI is out there. Yes, people are using it, but it's not overnight going to sink your whole business. You have some time to really think through how you want to be in that space. Agreed. Just a couple of points I found while we were chatting. Perplexity, the the which is a, a search-based generative model, has 10 million monthly active users. And Google Bard, now this is this is tricky because it's it is Gemini, Bard Gemini, it is Google, mm -hmm. and a lot can get rolled up and that has on the order of several hundred million users now because it's free and available in 159 million countries. Uh, same for mm -hmm. ChatGPT. The free version has something like a billion users now. Again, not all doing search with it, but increasingly, at least according to a New York Times article from six days ago, more and more users are using it. Casual, non-technical people, yeah. non-nerds are using it for, for search purposes. So I think your five P's is exactly on target. But what we want to do is also encourage people to think about it from the perspective of the audience. What is the mm -hmm. purpose of a, a, a non-nerd using generative AI for search? It's a cleaner experience. It's a faster experience. And it is you get to your answers faster with fewer ads, less clicking around. It's it's like it's the difference between DIY and done for you. If you think about it, right? It's like if you go to a search engine, you type in a query like "Who won the Super Bowl?" and you there's results. You can click on things. And Google has been trying over the years to chip away at this to say like, "Here's zero click answers. Here's the weather tomorrow. The 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 the, the Taylor Swift team won uh, the Super Bowl. I don't remember who they are. The so but now generative AI says, "Hey, here's all the answers for you." And you can check you can check the veracity if you want, but we're putting it on a plate for you with fewer ads. And mm -hmm. you know, if you go to 
any of the the major news media sites these days, the moment you click into that something like the screen just fills with ads if you don't have an ad blocker. So for, from the 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 consumer's perspective, the purpose is better answers faster with less crap. The per the people the people are the people. Go ahead, you're. No, nope, <laughs> go ahead. I can um, I can sa I can save my disagreement for later. Okay. The process is interesting because the process is really something that, from the consumer's perspective, you want it, it, generative AI reduces friction because it means less work for the person. If I hand this to my 14 year old, right, and say, you know, I want you to use a search engine to help you write your term paper, or I want you to use generative A to write your term paper, the process for using generative AI to help search and answer those questions is going to be much much faster because also it's going to he's, I, I know him he's just going to use the, the whole paper <laughs> we know what the platforms are the big thing is the, on the performance side when you use generative ai for search purposes you get typically faster performance so i was doing a talk recently in canada on tourism and i said show me some ideas for things to do in Edmonton within walking distance of the JW Marriott. Uh, and I'm particularly interested in First Nations cultures. I'm particularly interested in, you know, col local foods and things like that. So I don't I don't want the, the, main, the main name tourist traps. And I put together a very capable list that I did not have to go and do individual research for it. It synthesized it all. And that's the big difference between traditional search and generative AI searches. Traditional search is retrieval. Generative AI search is synthesis and can bring together a lot of pieces. So from the the audience's perspective, not ours as marketers, but from the audience's perspective, it's a fast, it's a more streamlined, shorter path to your answers. And we know people like better, faster, and cheaper. So my disagreement is that with every example you're in, so you're giving really good examples, and I don't disagree with you on that. What I disagree with is that your examples make the assumption that people know what they're looking for. And I do think that that's a disadvantage of using generative AI is that one of the things, and so again, this is sort of me as a casual user, not me as a marketer. When I go to use a search engine, 10 times out of 10, I only have like half an idea or like half of what I think I'm looking for. And one of the things I really like about the way search engines work today is that it completes my thought for me if I type in just a couple of letters. And a lot of the times I'm trying to figure out where do I know this person from? What were they in? Or I'm watching a show and I'm like, huh, half this cast looks familiar. Or do I want to keep watching this? What the heck is this thing even about? And all I have to do is put in the name of the show and my results are, here's the cast, here the, here's the synopsis, here's the reviews. But I didn't have to put in a whole prompted thought to say, I'm currently watching this show. I want to know who the cast is. I want to know this because I don't know that I want to know that. And so I do disagree with you in terms of user experience. Like, yes, it gets you to more specific answers, but only if you know what you're looking for in the first place. I don't think that at this time today, generative AI is the same sort of like, loosey-goosey, open-ended, you don't really know what you're looking for, so I'm going to serve you up a whole bunch of stuff, and you're going to fall down a rabbit hole because that's more fun. To me, and again, this is just one person's opinion, to me, that's a good user experience because I don't know what I'm looking for. In the instance where I know exactly what I need, like, you know, how long do I need to hard boil an egg for to get the perfect, you know, yolk? Yes, I do think generative AI 
is a good resource for that because I don't need to click through 800 different recipes to get one single answer. That's really annoying. So I feel like there's the two sides of the conversation is one, you know exactly what you're looking for. And two is you're just kind of tooling around trying to figure out like, this person looks kind of familiar. Let me just kind of keep going down a rabbit hole. Yep. And I think uh, to your point, some models, particularly the smaller models, definitely struggle with understanding your intent. The larger models mm -hmm. are better at that. Like you can type in, where do I know the cast of Firefly from? And it will attempt to infer based on just that simple question. Um, but what happens but if you type in just Firefly and you nothing will else? Get a, you will get a, for the, the larger, better engines, you will get a, a follow-up question saying, what would you like to know? And the question is, I don't know. Whereas if I put into a search engine, Firefly, it's going to come up with, here's some cast, here's some images, here's some reviews, here's some backstories, here's news on what people are doing. And to me, that's like, oh, okay, now I can pick and choose what I want versus with a generative AI system, I kind of have to know what I'm looking for. Or at least be willing to have a conversation about it. Yeah, I don't like <laughs> the The one thing I'll push back on you there is sure. that you are a curious and yep. intellectually rigorous and a persistent person who cares about quality and who mm -hmm. cares about getting things done the right way you are not most people most people are incurious they just want the answer fast they don't even care if it's correct or not uh, mm -hmm. most people want a better user experience that is not polluted by ads or in your the example you gave the you know the mother's cousins friends roommates you know second oh. brother's uh, favorite recipe and why they developed it in college they just want to know how many eggs to put in uh, an egg salad um, just tell me God exactly. <laughs> and, and again, that's that's a perfect example where generative AI does a much better job. Yeah, um, I agree. And and people want fast. So to your point, if if generative AI can create a fast, easy answer that is good enough for the incurious person, which is most people these days, mm -hmm. uh, and that does not require critical thinking, which is most people these days, at a population level, I think there's this very strong probability that it will become the default experience for a lot of things because it's just, it's it's like Amazon. Amazon makes it frighteningly easy to order things. Like you can yep. sneeze wrong and like, oh, look, a, a, a six pack of, of Kleenex just arrived at my house. Well, and so to your, they're all listening. To your question, what should marketers do? I think think that this is where they really need to think about their content strategy. And so I often go back to the Hero Hub help framework. And, you know, there's this notion of like your cornerstone content and all the supporting content. And this is really marketers opportunity to creating to create a wide variety of content around the same topic, like we should have been doing this all along anyway. And I feel like Similar to how when we were talking about data privacy, it's not a new concept just because generative AI is on the scene now. Content marketing is not, how we approach it is not new because generative AI is on the scene now. So to your, you know, so I feel like we can take sort of those two sides of the conversation and break it down into what we would do as content marketers. And so there's the, I have specific questions of, you know, where do I know the cast from Firefly from? we can create content to specifically target for that. So that's one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is we know someone's just going to type in <clears throat> Firefly. So it's our job to create, 
here's where you know the cast from here's what the cast is up to now here's the synopsis of the tv show here's where you can find things that are related if you like this tv show here's recipes inspired by the tv show like we have to be doing both sides of the conversation we have to be creating content for people who know what they're looking for and for people who don't know what they're looking for that is what we as marketers need to be doing in order to play along with generative ai and so when i say this out loud i'm like wow nothing's changed we still have nothing to be doing the same thing you are exactly right in fact we've been following a content strategy that you know, our, our friend Todd Deffern came up with it back in 2008, right? Which is content atomization. Take one piece of content and turn it to lots. It is advice that, you know, my my former high school friend Gary Vaynerchuk has been espousing for a decade too, which is create content at scale, not by trying to make lots of stuff, but by just documenting what you do and sharing it in as many forms as possible. When you look at the way Trust Insights does it, our its content marketing, we start with video, right? We have this podcast, we have our live stream. We take that video, transcribe it. We have that appears a blog post on our blog that goes into our newsletter that go, you know, the, the, the pieces of the newsletter get split up into separate blog posts. The audio gets loaded places. The video gets loaded places with ca closed captions. We are creating a lot of text in as many areas as possible. We try to be everywhere we can. We mm -hmm. rarely say no to guest appearances on podcasts. And when a podcast goes up, you know, that, we're guesting on that does not publish a transcript, we make one. <laughs> so, uh, because we need that text to be everywhere. We issue press releases because that puts text everywhere. We're, we've, and we've been following this blueprint for, since the founding of the company. We, we decided very early on, we're gonna do a lot of media. And what has happened is as these models were created, they started pulling in all of this text from all over the internet. And the more places you are, the more your the models will associate your brand with specific terms. And, and so there's a lot of catching up people have to do. Um, mm -hmm. And they have to be, and I know this is a part that, that irritates a lot of content marketers. You do have to create content at scale, a lot of it, because that's the way these predictive models work there all they are is word prediction machines and those predict those probabilities of prediction are influenced by how often they see text on their input side so if you are not everywhere you're going to struggle and i do want to add the caveat that yes you have to create content at scale but you have to create good valuable content at scale so anybody can create a bunch of really crappy content that's really not going to help you. So one of the things that we were just discussing this this morning during our sort of prep conversation is uh, we had another topic that we were thinking about recording for a separate podcast episode. And we paused for a second and said, is this is this content that we want to create because it's focused and helps move the company forward? And we decided it's an interesting topic, but it's more of an academic curiosity than it is for you know, actually being beneficial and giving a so what to our audience. And so we decided to change the topic. And so there's definitely still those moments where we can create a lot of content, we can create, we can talk about a lot of things related to generative AI, it still has to make sense for our company. So we still have to focus in as we're taking the time, because if we're trying to create content at scale, we then have to be picky about the kind of content we're creating, the topics that we're talking about and writing about. Because if you're creating a lot of really crappy content at scale, that, yes, 
will get you known. It will get you into the, you know, search results for generative AI, but not for anything useful. People are just going to be like, I don't like that. Because I do know that in some systems, you can rate the responses you get. And I'm sure that definitely plays a part in what kind of results you get moving forward. So if you say, I want to get, you know, a hard boiled egg recipe and Trust Insight shows up, you're going to rate it thumbs down and be like, don't show me this crap. And so Trust Insights, our brand reputation, whether we know it or not, is being damaged because we've created a bunch of really crappy content about things that we don't even do. Why are we talking about hard boiled eggs? We have no business talking about that. Let's get back to talking about how we can help content marketers create content at scale. <laughs> exactly. However, <laughs> with hard boiled eggs. So yeah, that is essentially it. You have to be everywhere. And and this is, again, the, the challenge that every marketer faces. The things that you will need to succeed in the age of gender AI is you have to have the most best data, right? Which is a challenge for a lot of companies. And you have to have the most best ideas because creativity is is still something that humans still narrowly edge out the machines on. And if you don't have either of those, you are in a lot of trouble. If you have one of those, you at least have a, you know, a fighting chance. If you have both of those and you, you start early, meaning now, in your industry, in your vertical, you stand a very good chance of gaining an early lead. And the nature of generative AI and these, these predictive models is whoever is best earliest retains a commanding advantage over time because the data is automatically biased in their favor. So get started sooner rather than later. And if you're not sure how, drop us a line. Also, if you want us to guest on your podcast, drop us a line. <laughs> we show up for peanuts on podcasts. Uh, go to trustinsights.ai slash contact. But that's that it, it's it's like you said, Katie, this is not new. This is no. not news. This is not innovative. This is do the things that people have been saying do all along and do them soon. Yeah, I think that, you know, with a lot of things, marketers have been able to kind of skate by doing the bare minimum. And now with the changes in technology, it's forcing their hand to do the work. And so we're going to see that split of people who can do the work and people who are just kind of, OK, let me go find something else to do with my life. Exactly. And here's the upside. If you do all this and you know things radically change, oh no, you've created a lot of great content that people enjoy and it's out there for people, you know, to people to find you. Like, oh, gosh darn. If you've got some thoughts about how you are helping your brand show up in generative AI or you want to discuss, you know, how your brand currently is, draw stop on our free slack. Go to trustinsights.ai slash analytics for marketers, where you and over three thousand other marketers are asking and answering each other's questions every single day. And wherever it is you enjoy our show, if you would prefer it somewhere else, go to trustinsights.ai slash CI podcast, where you can find us on most major platforms. And while you're on your platform of choice, please do leave us a rating and a review. It does help share the show. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next time. <laughs>